I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Did you almost forget your name? I almost said yours. I saw that happen (laughs) visually on your face. Because the way that I like, when I'm really paying attention, it's usually on your episodes. (laughs) And so I'm like, I'm Shannon. Nope, I'm not. What if we did opposite day? We were like, gosh, confuse everybody. (laughs) My husband's name. (laughs) Well, and I don't think that our voices sound enough alike that it's like difficult to differentiate us. Yeah, I don't think so. But I don't think people have to text their friends and be like, which one is which? Yeah. I had to do that for you, to you, for a certain other podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wait, which one? Which one? You said I'm like one of them. Which one am I like? Which one of them is this one? I'm yeah. confused. But yeah, I almost forgot my own name. Well, not forget. I, I remembered your name and I, I I took it on as my own. How about that? I mean, if we could split the work, that would make my life really easy. <laughs> we already do split the work. No, but like, no, the work of being me. Oh, not got the it. podcast. Great. <laughs> I thought you took that. I was Just like, like you show up to my job on Mondays and Wednesdays. There we go. Yeah. And you only have to... We know. both get Fridays off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we could we could work something out. I think my job would be, you know, a little annoyed at the fact that I was taking on yeah, well, that, but such we, we talked to them about it. Anyway, <laughs> what I did not forget is where you can go to find all of our socials, send us a message, go look at the funny things that I've written on our website at this podcast doesn't exist dot com dot com and guess what else they can find on our website emma what else shannon our new and improved bingo card happy february pod valentine's palentine's Happy Palentine's Day, friends. Yeah, there we go. Today's episode comes out uh, the closest Approximately. to Day. Yeah. So we're giving you a new and improved bingo card. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Go play it. It'll be fun. Yeah, I am excited to see Zach Bagans on it. <laughs> yep. He will be there. He will make an appearance. But he will not make an appearance today. Oh, that bodes well for me and yes, my it tear does. ducts. Yes, it does. Um, I decided not to scare you in my basement at 7.30 at night. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, it will happen eventually, but I figured I'd ease you into it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would you like to know what we're talking about today? What if I just was like, no. no. <laughs> walked out. <laughs> Went upstairs to Holden and was like, hi, I'm hanging out with you for the next hour and a half. <laughs> Emma's just going to be downstairs talking to herself. <laughs> uh, yes, Emma, what are we, what are you going to tell me about today? Um, well, I'm going to tell you about a disappearing person. Oh? Because that's well within my genre. Uh-huh. Disappearing person? <laughs> a disappeared person? A disappeared person. A missing person. Okay. There we go. Um. His name is Ben McDaniel. Is this familiar to you at all? Nope. All right. Well, then let's search forth. In August of 2010, 30-year-old Ben McDaniel went for an evening dive at Vortex Spring, Florida. Mm-mm. Yep. This is basically my worst nightmare as well as yours. Well, so. again, back to whichever episode I think it was. 
bending to triangle whenever we hell hell stop hole, naming things or whatever that it was, yeah stop stop naming although i things guess that, that one this one is more like a warning i would assume what is it vortex vortex spring why why would you go then i know yeah why so let's talk about ben the late 2000s was not a great time for ben mcdaniel though he had grown up the eldest in a wealthy family in collierville tennessee he wanted to strike out on his own he got married and started his own construction business but when both failed in late 2009 ben moved back in with his parents mm. The failed business had left him with tax debts at almost $50,000 due to the IRS and to the state of Tennessee. Woof. Yeah. Rough times for everybody. Not a good time. As well as, like, paying for divorce proceedings and filings and Mm, stuff. Like, he was financially pretty rough. He was luckily from a family that could take care of him. Ah, yes. Which is, you know, a blessing, I guess. But, like... The whole family had been going through a rough period, too, as one of their younger sons died two years prior at 22 from a stroke. Oh, no. Ben had been the one to find his brother unconscious in the family home and had tried to revive him to no avail. It later came to light that he had died not due to stroke, but to opioid overdose. Oh. He was not prescribed opioids. Mm. Um, And this was something that the family wasn't necessarily aware of at first Mm -hmm. and they had even started a um, foundation in this son's name oh like a heart health yeah for like uh stroke uh recovery and prevention and you know education and all of that and when it came out that it was actually opioid overdose obviously they dissolved the foundation but they were like very surprised by it so When Ben's parents suggested he take what they called a sabbatical on their dime, Ben took it, obviously. You're going to pay for me? Absolutely, I will take that. Let me go. He moved into the family beach house with his chocolate lab on Santa Rosa Beach in the Florida Panhandle in April of 2010. I couldn't find anywhere where the dog's name was. That was going to be my question. I know. That was my question. And I was like, I was, you know, reading through stuff, trying to find it anywhere. And they just don't. They're like the chocolate lab. I'm like, he has a name. Oh, see, I, I thought it was a girl. Oh, it might have been. I couldn't even determine that. Sadie. Oh. Ben and Sadie were hanging out in the Santa Rosa Beach House. Um, he moved in in April 2010. And how nice it would be to regroup from some crazy sad life ex- circumstances in someone else's house and with their money. I want to do that. Yeah, really. Hey, Hi. mom. <laughs> I know you listen because you called me to make fun of me of the <laughs> for the fact that I didn't know when Thanksgiving was. Hi, mom. Uh, okay, I I'm not gonna defend myself from last week because part of me is like, yes, you all are correct. Absolutely, it is the third Thursday in November. But I also, for some reason, have this distinct memory of it being like almost immediately Christmas. Like it was like. Thanksgiving was really close to Christmas for I some reason. I feel like what must have happened is that, like, the way the days of the week fell. I think it you had got, to be. like, longer school breaks or something like that. So it only felt, like, you know, Maybe. it felt like you only were at school for two whole weeks. Maybe. So then it felt like it was right away. But, like, I, I just I need you to provide calendar proof. 
Otherwise, I'll, I'm I'll just going to call look. you Cuckoo this whole time. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, I would love Cocoa Puffs right now, dude. That would be really nice. Count Chocula? No. Just never, Cocoa Puffs? We never had that. Or I, Cocoa Pebbles. Oh, yeah. I really didn't like chocolate-flavored cereals. I barely ever got... I was going to say, I also am now remembering, I didn't really get them I'm all like, that much. Uh, we had Life cereal at my house. <laughs> yes, I love Life. I'm so glad to hear that, Emma. <laughs> it has a lot to offer you. Thanks, man. Life. <laughs> Life. All right. So moving to the Gulf Coast and not having a day job made it easy for Ben to indulge in his favorite hobby, scuba diving. He had started diving at 15, apparently taking tanks into the family pool to practice. After 15 years, he had gained an open water certification for diving and a bulk of scuba and diving knowledge, which he was very confident about. And it's safe to say that he really loved diving. While staying at the Santa Rosa Beach House, Ben would dive at Vortex Spring, a freshwater diving facility fed by the Flor... Okay, I'm going to say Florin because for some reason, everywhere I looked, it says the Florin or the Florian Aquifer rather than the Floridian Aquifer, and I don't really know why. Hmm. Luckily, I only have to say it once. We found the Princess Diaries country, Florin! Florin! Florida, apparently. The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, also, <laughs> hi. Love that neither me nor Emma realized that I kept saying the Virginia legislature every time I met Vermont last week. I thought that maybe, like, Virginia legislature was just, like, a overarching group. No. <laughs> That's kind like, of you. No. <laughs> I think my brain just is so used to hearing about Virginia because I live there. Yeah. So I'm just going to blame the fact that we were really cold. We were really cold. Or at least defend my myself. My mistake. Emma's is a more deep-seated issue about Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's historically been <laughs> a challenge. I take my very small mistake and own it, but your mistake is enormous and at your core. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a support group. That was a good whistle tone. <laughs> oh, I think I the that. dogs are coming down the street. <laughs> Is it Sadie, the chocolate lab? Sadie! I really, I really hope it was a little, a little girl dog. They're just... A sweet girl. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say this and then we realized we weren't recording anymore. But I feel you were like, he like really, really loved the dog according to all the sources. I'm like, yeah, what kind of monster owns a lab specifically? <laughs> right. Who is just like a teddy bear that is a dog. Basically. Like all they, like, truly like all they want. It, yes. My Imagine parents' dog owning is. owning Bella and being like, meh, dogs are fine. Right. Like all she ever wants is all of your attention and love and will do absolutely <laughs> anything for you. She also has a breathing problem. <laughs> And some, like, dandruff. She's, She's a lot. She's the sweetest her. baby, though. All right. Well, it was the freshwater diving facility, Vortex Spring, was fed by the Florian Aquifer, which, was, which has clear waters that are always 68 degrees Fahrenheit, or 20 degrees Celsius, which sounds so nice. It was a short drive inland and was enticing to Ben because of the underwater cave, my worst freaking nightmare. Mm -mm. Truly, I have had 
nightmares about being stuck in caves like in a small like crevice i can't like i don't like uh-uh. having that and plus being underwater and no. i do i am i am a cat i do not like water i barely like taking baths i would prefer to shower for 10 seconds and be out of there like mm-mm. i mm-mm. it's a lot as much as i love shipwrecks not gonna do it not gonna go down there never we've already talked about that how like even if you were approached and we're like hey we're gonna go down this is your only time to ever see the titanic while it still is intact as it can be it's going to be gone in like a year. You've got it. You have to go down. You'd be like, bring up pictures. <laughs> I can't. I cannot dive with you. Yeah. Are you sad now that I brought up the fact that the Titanic is disintegrating? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But hey, Mount Everest isn't going anywhere. Nope. In fact, it's growing. Doesn't it yeah. grow like an inch or so yeah. every year? I should know. Ruth will be like, wow, it seems like a Shannon fact that you should know. <laughs> I don't know the exact percentage, but yeah. Yeah. It grows. It grows. Incrementally. Period. So this cave, which starts at a depth of 115 feet. How many Statues of Liberty is that? I I forgot to look it up. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, It's deep. Deep? Let's say that. Um, It can be one of the most dangerous cave dives in the Gulf Coast. Oh, God, no. Yeah. So there is a sign at the entrance of the cave that has a Grim Reaper on it. Oh, cute. Yeah. Warning divers that going any further could prove fatal. It reads in part, quote, stop. Prevent your death. Go no farther. There's nothing in this cave worth dying for. Do not go beyond this point. End quote. Like, yes, but also seems kind of sp- suspicious. Like, if I were secret evil people hiding stuff, I would mm. word the sign like that. Maybe. But it's basically trying to, like, scare you straight. Being like, if you are not experienced enough, like, if you do not have a cave diving, like, certification, you do not do this. Like, even experienced cave divers could die in here. Like, it is mm. not, it's not great. Because it's also, like, dark. Like, you can't see you're disoriented like mm-mm. i don't yeah so you said you weren't gonna be spooky i'm sorry i'm not trying to be <laughs> just real life being this is just scary. real life nightmares yeah i don't like it yeah. i don't like it i don't like it gotta put that on the bingo card right <laughs> we say it so much if you ignore that and keep going past the cave narrows and about 300 feet past the grim reaper is a makeshift rebar gate that has a chain and padlock the key to that padlock is only available in the dive shop and you have to present a current cave diving certification before you're allowed to have the key a cave diving certification requires two months of training and 125 dives with an instructor or certified diving partner which is, like, the minimum. Usually they're like, please do more. Yeah. The reason this cave is blocked off and needs basically proof of competency to go into is because during the 1990s, 13 divers perished within the cave and the state threatened to ban diving at Vortex Spring, which the dive shop could not afford. Mm. To put into perspective the extent of this cave, here's a quote from the mother source. Wikipedia. Quote. 
Starting from the gate, over 1,600 feet through the area's limestone bedrock have been mapped to a depth of 310 feet. The cave's full extent is not known. At some points, the passage narrows to 10 inches, uh, requiring divers to take off their tanks, push them forward through the passage, and twist their bodies to follow. This I will put into context because I just want everybody to imagine being at your elementary school desk and having a ruler and taking two inches off of that and then trying to fit your body through that space. As a full human. Not as a as full human, not school. as a child. Yes. But like, oh, God. I don't like it. It's not, uh, look, the, it, no part of my body is 10 universe, inches wide. The universe was like, stop. Don't. Like, don't do this. Like, <laughs> the universe is telling you at every point, what are you doing? Yeah. What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> so we kill ourselves. <laughs> kill ourselves. Uh, I'll take problematic high school faves for a thousand, Alex. If you don't know what yeah. we're talking about, uh, good luck. I'm not explaining it to you. But I love him. Well, I think you're 14 and an idiot. You took a roofie from a priest. <laughs> Your hair has never looked better. And you were going to get, get it. it what? <laughs> you stupid witch. You stupid witch. <laughs> Things I memorized for no reason. Yeah. The periodic table? No. No. Not in <laughs> there. No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's a weird throwback ben was well known by the dive shop employees and all the scuba regulars since april when he had moved down he did dives as often as he could when he went back to tennessee to visit his parents and girlfriend in august he had started talking about getting certified as a scuba and diving instructor and was researching cave diving wanting to get certified in that as well he apparently told his girlfriend, Emily, that he planned on eventually starting a diving business. It was a love of his, and it's obvious he had the passion for it, so she encouraged him. Both his parents and his girlfriend said that during the visit, Ben seemed optimistic. The sabbatical seemed to be getting him back to himself and on track. Before Ben left to go back to Santa Rosa, he left his parents a note that thanked them for their generosity in supporting his break from life and promised that he would look after them as they grew older, which is just really sweet. On August 18th, a hot Wednesday, Ben decided to go up to Vortex Spring for a dive. He did one in the middle of the day where a few other divers saw him looking around near the cave entrance. He resurfaced and in the dive shop refilled his tanks which is confirmed on CCTV footage. He seemed to keep to himself the majority of the day, using the rest of the afternoon to test equipment alongside the spring and make notes in what looked like a dive log. Because after you dive, you would say, this is the amount of air I had left in my tank. This is, uh, you know, what I was going for, like all that kind of stuff. Like how, how deep did I go? This all that. is a cool fish I saw. <laughs> well, and there's apparently some really interesting wildlife within the spring. Um, and so like there will be like recreational scuba divers who don't necessarily like, not everybody goes for the cave, mm -hmm. but like it's def it's definitely a challenge for like those people who are like, absolutely, this is the thing that I'm here for. Like I want to challenge myself. Just don't do it. 
You okay? You look really cold. No, no, no. I just remembered that at the beginning you said he's a missing person, so it got scarier because I just thought he was going to die um, and cave scariness, but <laughs> we don't know. What- okay. <laughs> All right. Let's find out Shannon was what just, we don't know. Shannon was just sitting in her chair with her hands clasped in her lap, looking at me as if you were about to die. Like, you were like eyes wide like because i just remembered the whole premise of this whole thing (laughs) the whole premise of our (laughs) of our podcast well i i mean it could still be like i think my brain got so focused on the cave and how scary it was that it's gonna be like oh they found his body but they don't know what happened but like he okay keep going okay the day had been about 90 degrees fahrenheit 32 celsius and only moderately cooled down later in the day. Ben started to prepare for a sunset dive, calling his mother shortly before 7.30 when he submerged. No. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Chuck Cronin and Eduardo Taran, employees of the dive shop, were on their way back from a dive as Ben submerged. This was a usual occurrence for them on Wednesday nights after the dive shop closed. They would go down and, you know, one, to check, to see the gate is closed and all of that, but also, like, they they work at a dive shop. They're going to want to, like, the time that they have while they're there, mm-hmm. go diving. When they saw Ben descending, they noticed that he was wearing a helmet and had all of his safety lights on. It wasn't unusual for Ben to go into the water after dark, but they had never seen the helmet on before. The guess was that he was going to try to get into the cave. Eduardo, who had heard Ben talking about his desire to get into the cave and suspected that Ben was trying to force the gate open on multiple occasions, opened the gate to the cave for him. Eduardo. Yeah. I think he was mostly worried about the fact that, like, if I don't try to, you know, if if I've already tried to stop him and then he, like, tries to force it open and, like, breaks it or something, I don't know. Still, it's not. It's he doesn't have it's the not paperwork, good. right? It's, no, it's definitely not good. He was fully aware that he did not have the certification. Mm. He knew that he knew Ben. They knew yeah. each other. Yeah. Mm. So he went down with Ben to open the gate, watched him go in, and then went back to resurface with Chuck. On the nights that the two had seen Ben go in late. They stayed until uh, they stayed at the spring until they saw bubbles at the surface, a sign that Ben was decompressing his tanks to safely come ashore. But on this night, they decided instead to go back to Eduardo's house for coffee, according to both men. The following morning, employees at the dive shop, including Eduardo, saw Ben's truck in the parking lot, but didn't think anything of it at first. They said they were too busy to notice with all the other visitors coming and going, but that it was feasible that Ben had resurfaced, gone home, and then come back early the next day to dive again. Eduardo eventually determined that no one had seen Ben that day, and when he didn't see him around the usual time he would have resurfaced and refilled tanks, Eduardo called the Holmes County Sheriff's Office. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure at this point, Eduardo was like, crap. Yeah. I'm, one, I'm in trouble. Two, I, like... I feel responsible. Also, though, I think it's curious that he 
one, he, he, like, he's breaking the rules on two fronts, right? Like, one, he let Ben in, and then two, one would think that there would be some sort of protocol in place at, words, at the front end, there's protocol that you have to show the certification. Yep. They unlock the thing for you. You would think there would be, like, a bookend protocol. Of, like, when you return the key or whatever? Well, like, yeah, like, somebody has, right? Like, yeah. Because, okay, even if Ben was certified and you unlock the door, you don't just drive away because then it's unlocked. Anybody could go through, like. Yeah. And especially if nighttime, like, dives were common. Like, this was not his first night dive. Like. Right. So, it's feasible that other people are doing it, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, like, he said, he said, he said, almost, of, like, did Well, and it seems like really it's happen? like a, it's like a perfect storm, right? Of, like, yeah. you open the gate, and you went and got coffee, and it was busy the next day. It's like, if one of those things were true, then maybe something still bad still could have happened, but it might have been found out earlier right, like or if something. if they had waited yeah. around and then he didn't resurface, like. Well, and, and my question is, did they wait until he research, like, until he, they saw his head above water? Or were they just like, oh, those bubbles mean he's decompressing, we can go home now? Like, well, that sounds like, from what you said, that's what they usually did. But yeah. this time, they didn't even do that. No, I know. But, like, if Ben even knew they were up there, mm. is what I'm trying to get at. Because then if he knew that they were up there, then that's, like, a sign for them. Oh, a signal, yeah. Of to be like, hey, I'm good. You guys can go home now. But I don't know. Once the sheriff's deputies arrived, they sealed off the spring and investigated the truck. There was no sign of Ben's tanks, wetsuit, or any other diving equipment of his. And his wallet, full of cash between 700 to 1,100, depending on the source, dollars, sorry, I just said the numbers, as well as his cell phone, were in the cab of the truck. They also found his dive logs that proved he had explored the cave before and made a map of what he had seen, like, made a map of the cave from what he had seen. So, ostensibly, someone had let him in Mm -hmm. before then. Either people who were already down there going into the cave, maybe he, like, followed them in and was like, hey, I'm working on my certification. Are you, like, a certified diving instructor Mm -hmm. or, like, a certified diver basically because mm-hmm. that's what you needed so maybe he was trying to like do it that way um but i don't know he was trying to get his equity card yeah by being in an equity show exactly without being equity <laughs> exactly eduardo said that he had let ben into the cave knowing he lacked the certification and passed a lie detector test detailing this he basically said i'd better to let him in than have him force the gate and lose time error and strength doing it which feels like a cop-out. Because you could have been like, nah, dude. Yeah. And then he doesn't end up being able to get in and just resurfaces. Yeah. So. The next stop for the officers was the Santa Rosa Beach House, where they found the chocolate lab, Sadie, starving. No. Because she had been unfed for almost two days. Because he had disappeared on the 18th, and they didn't make it to his home until the end of the 19th-ish. I'm not really clear on, like, the timeline of when they searched stuff. But yeah, so she was very hungry. The guess, based on the evidence they could find, is that Ben got stuck in the cave and drowned. The cadaver dogs that alerted on the water's surface seem to confirm this theory. They can smell the decomp on the water. What? Yeah, because the molecules of decomposition will 
essentially rise. <laughs> Don't take those dogs to Lake Lanier. <laughs> right? Nobody. When news broke of Ben going missing, other cave divers volunteered to recover the body, assuming that it would be a relatively easy mission to rescue the body of a fellow diver. The McDaniels and Emily had made their way to Florida to watch the proceedings from shore, praying for Ben and if for nothing else, closure. There was media as well, which documented the following frustration as multiple experienced cave divers searched the cave but found no trace of Ben anywhere. One diver even said he almost died himself during the search. There were small crevices and fissures that Ben could have entered in a panic as tanks ran low in the search for an exit, but there was nothing to show that he had even been that deep in. They did find, however, some of his equipment. Three of his tanks, two found near the entrance of the cave, one found about 200 feet inside the cave. This is super unusual, though, for cave diving, which may point more to Ben's inexperience than anything else. Normally, cave divers place extra air tanks needed for decompression when resurfacing along their exit route so that they can follow the trail out, like breadcrumbs. Leaving them only at the entrance to the cave and one not very deep in made it impossible for Ben to be able to see his tanks if he went too far. Even more interesting, though, was the fact that when they tested the tanks, they were filled with normal air. When diving at depth, especially for cave diving, decompression would require a specialized gas mix in those tanks, which the dive shop definitely sold. Ben would have known about this requirement, too, if he was researching cave diving like his parents and Emily reported to the police. He also would have known about leaving the, you know, breadcrumb mm-hmm. of tanks. When August 22nd came with no other signs of Ben, Ed Sorensen was sent a text message asking for his help. Ed was a very experienced cave diver, a recovery specialist, and had almost 2,500 logged dives. He was on a yacht in the Bahamas leading an expedition when he received the text and made it to Vortex Spring the next day. I'm picturing him like on a speedboat with a soundtrack in the background. He's like, sorry team, I have a mission. And he's just like... The boat's like doing the like bouncing thing over the waves. Very like CIS Miami. Yeah. He shows up. He's in like a Hawaiian shirt, Bermuda shorts. Takes the glasses off. What Wrap can I do around for sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the International Underwater Cave Rescue and Recovery, as well as other cave divers, told him it was too dangerous to go any deeper into the cave, Ed decided that it was worth the risk to try. Ed made three dives in one day going about 1,700 feet into the cave, using a propulsion vehicle and smaller tanks to help him go about 200 feet further than Ben had mapped out, which should have been helpful. When Ed resurfaced after the third dive, he had found nothing, including no evidence that there was increased activity by aquatic scavengers, which would definitely be present if a body was in the cave. He told the commercial appeal a Memphis newspaper the following, quote, I know what I'm doing, and I barely made it through. The last place I searched was pristine, without a mark that a diver had been there. It would be impossible to go through that restriction, which is what divers call narrower passages, without making a mark on the floor or ceiling. He's not in there. End quote. 
It should also be noted that Ben was six foot one inch, which is the same height as Holden, and weighed about 210 pounds. Ed was only an inch shorter and 20 pounds lighter, which is not much. And Ben was broad, like he had pretty broad shoulders. Ed should have been able to find him if Mm -hmm. he was in there. The man who originally mapped Vortex Spring in 2003 was also called on to participate in the search, but after seven dives, he also found no evidence of Ben. The McDaniels commissioned a remote-operated underwater vehicle through the Fort Lauderdale Police, but due to technical issues, it too couldn't go any further than human divers. It was supposed to be able to at least see into Mm -hmm. smaller spaces and things like that. All in all, 16 divers spent 36 days straight looking for Ben, with nothing to show for it. Volunteers continued diving and looking through November, through November, but still nothing. At this point, it seemed to be looking like Ben wasn't in the cave at all, meaning that maybe he didn't actually drown. Vortex Spring owner Lowell Kelly and Chuck Cronin both believed that Ben actually had staged his own disappearance to escape his past. Because of course. I know. Another possibility that police started to consider was that Ben did die underwater, but that someone had moved him and disposed of his body away from Vortex Spring. Cadaver dogs were again used to search the woods, but there was no success there. The police had noted no signs of struggle around his truck when they first found it and didn't think that he had been home after his visit on the 18th to the spring based on the evidence that they found and the fact that his dog hadn't been fed, or at least appeared to not have been fed for almost two days. Because labs will definitely be like, hi, I haven't been fed in three seconds. I am so starving. I am the most hungry puppy. You didn't feed me two minutes ago, even though you fed me this morning. They searched the Blue Creek and Sandy Creek out to the Choctawachee. 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 Shut up. They searched the Blue Creek and Sandy Creek out to the Choctawachee River. I can say river after (laughs) all that. (laughs) I was so focused. I'm so glad you found that so funny. <laughs> no, because I just... We've all been there. <laughs> what was it last week that I... There was something I had to say. You had four takes for yeah. it. And I deleted them. I appreciate I like, it. I Well, because I, I always save a copy of, like, the raw file. So I'm like, I kind of want to go back <laughs> and figure out where it is. Patreon bonus. Right. I Someday I want a blooper episode of ours. Just Yeah, I have a blooper file. <laughs> Good. It's very mixed up, though, because it's like all of the bloopers yeah, all together. That's so fine. I just like tack them on there. So, uh, The Choctawachee River. Um, they start to swap. First, just swap Don't you feel so glad that it's not just you? <laughs>
for the day. Good, I'm glad. You're welcome. Ooh, wow. Alright, so they searched the creek and the river and the swamps. They didn't find anything. 30 tests of the water at Vortex Spring were conducted over the next few months, and they showed no increase of bacteria that would indicate a decomposing body in the water. That's so cool. I know. I was thinking about that, too. I was like, the fact that you have, that we have that ability... Like, of course, it makes sense. Like, of course, as a decomposing body or anything that decomposes would give off, like, you know, certain gases and it, you know, adds stuff to the ecosystem and all of that. But, like, I don't know. It's just cool. It makes me want to get, like, you know, you have your COVID rapid tests. I'm like, I need body water tests. Anytime <laughs> I go into a body of water now, I need to test it. I need to be able to test it. Is this water sanitary? I don't, doesn't look so good to me. Truly. Yeah. It's literally you. The McDaniels hired a private investigator, Lynn Marie Cardi. Yep. Thought you were going to go with Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Lynn Manuel Miranda. No, Lynn Marie Cardi Miranda. Um, to look into the possible murder or cover up of the death of their own son. Murder. Mirder, their own son. I don't know why I said that. She found a multitude of people who worked at Vortex Spring with a criminal record, but only a few that were interesting enough to be looked at, including the owner, Lowell Kelly. Dun, dun, dun. Who had already been facing criminal charges in the assault and kidnapping of a male temporary employee of the dive shop who he said owed him thousands of dollars. Oh, what now? He had taken this employee to an isolated wooded area to beat him with a baseball bat. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But the employee escaped and reported it to the police. Thank God. And you thought your job was bad. Right? Oh, my gosh. Kelly pleaded no contest to these charges in 2011 and was fined and sentenced to seven years of probation, which is stupid. Florida? Yeah. Mm. Probation for assaulting, like, basically attempted murder. But but he didn't do it, so, like, he didn't mean it. Mm. But how Lowell Kelly died is a more interesting story. Oh? In December 2011, Kelly fell down the stairs and hurt his head at a chili cook-off he was hosting at Vortex Spring. Okay. Yep. Someone, non-disclosed, took him back to Kelly's house in Ponce de Leon, helping him shower and let him rest in the bathtub, putting a blanket over him. And this feels like something someone really high would do. Just, <gasps> whatevs. Wasn't that around the time, like, bath salts were a thing down in Florida? Potentially. Like, but that turned people into, like, zombies. Yeah, that made them, They wanted yeah. to, like, eat people. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. That was terrifying. Literally, like, I can't watch zombie things. They really freak me out. Yeah. I cannot do I'm, it. I'm sure The Walking Dead is no, great. N- I'm not ever going to watch it. Never going to watch Never. it. Never. Never. 
In the morning, someone else came to find Kelly had worsened overnight and called EMS. He was taken to a hospital in Pensacola where he remained comatose, dying in January in hospice care. Mm -hmm. Police believe that they never received the full story of what happened that night, but they won't name any suspects and they won't release the autopsy report despite it being public record under the Florida Sunshine Law, which is the ma- Florida Sunshine Law is the reason why we get the Florida man stories is because oh, yeah. all of the like police records and autopsy records, all of that are public domain. Yeah. Basically. The reason- so everyone else is, all the other states are doing just as much kooky stuff. We just yeah. can't write, they're legally not allowed to write about it. <laughs> yeah. I think there's one other state that also has something similar, but we just don't hear about it um, because Florida man is just like so Oregon permeated. or something. I think it's something. I forget. It is, it is a northern state. They claim it is because the case is ongoing and it oh. could compromise it. But is it? Like... Hmm? He's he's dead, or is was it was an undercover informant involved, and that's why you Maybe. can't. Yeah, I don't know, but um, do you remember that game that went around where you had to type your birthday into Google with Florida Man and see what came up? Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. Okay, well, um, I did it for you. Oh, great. <laughs> so mine is Florida Man climbs on playground equipment to tell children where babies come from. Wow. Terrifying. The picture of this man. His mugshot is terrifying. Mm-mm. And yours is Florida Man Rex Liquor Store blames it on Caterpillar. <laughs> uh, relatable. They're weird. I'm just, I'm just imagining a Caterpillar just sitting on the curb outside the liquor store being like, Buddy! Bro! You read it on me! <laughs> I'm leaving! And then like inch, 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 inch. <laughs> I'm getting away, fast and furious. And then, like, it, it pans out, and he's only gone, like, three inches. Yep. I'm into this. I like this. Oh, great. All right. The private investigator also found that some other things happened at Vortex Springs the day Ben disappeared, <gasps> including a wild-eyed man Kelly oh. had supposedly seen who had been drunk and asked if it was too late to dive. This is very alleged. As in, we cannot confirm it, regardless of the fact that the dive shop has CCTV. Ruh-roh. Mm-hmm. Another diver earlier that day had confronted several youths about drinking on the property. The youths. They left eventually, but they could have come back for revenge. In my mind, this is not plausible, but okay. Ben's family, completely frustrated by the lack of any evidence of what had happened to their son, offered a reward of $10,000 for the recovery of his body to anyone, quote, brave enough to go into the cave's deepest places to search for him. But... Keyword, brave. Bro, that's rude to the 37 other people that already went in that are super experienced. Correct. And this is how more dead people happen. Correct. So here's another (sighs) quote from the mother source because it sums up so beautifully exactly our feelings about this quote 
The insinuation of cowardice alienated divers who had already risked their lives searching the cave and raised fears among them that it would only encourage untrained divers to enter the cave and take potentially fatal risks for the reward money. Undeterred, the McDaniels increased the award twice. All right. Here's the thing. Yes. Yes, and. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone should be surprised, but also I think this is an appropriate usage this situation should fall under Mount Everest rules. If you die up there, you stay there. We're not going to risk life and limb to get you down. I feel like... Or to get you out. That makes sense to me. Like, it makes sense to me. These are dangerous situations that basically you have to be so well trained to get in and out of. And even then, the possibility of dying is there you understand the risks going in that's why you have to have a certification right. going in because you then have basically said hey i understand the risks i mm, you want to know what makes this even more scary for me mm. is that like your standard scuba diving rig to my knowledge like doesn't have it's not like there there are comms inside right so you at least when you're up on mount everest you can use a walkie-talkie <laughs> Or, like, a yeah. satellite phone. And, like, I, sure, it may not work, but, like, just imagine just swimming into the darkness, claustrophobic, and no one, you can't talk to anybody. Literally no one knows where you are. Yeah, no. And I know that for divers. Divers. For divers who do, like, um, like, for the guys who go down to the Titanic for recovery stuff. Or, well, they don't, they don't get out of the exactly. sub, but... But like, but leave even even for like there are other dives sunken, and stuff yeah. where it, they might not be going so far down that they need to then like decompress in the same way. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have some comms that they are able to use to talk to the boat. Mm-hmm. But because this is a recreational facility, you wouldn't like the the dive shop isn't going to be like, yeah, here's your comm. Yeah, I know. That's like so. It's dumb, and it shouldn't happen, and there should be some way to do that. And I'm sure maybe there is. We're not necessarily, like, scuba experts. Surprise. Surprise. But, like, it feels like something that, like, another safety measure. I know that there's a talk box, which um, does go up to the dive shop, but it is not very far from the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, So that you go to the talk box to be like, hey, we need some, you know, extra tanks or whatever. I don't really know what they would ask for or like to report something to be mm-hmm. like, hey, so-and-so needs help down here. And that box would go like it would then basically like an intercom system mm-hmm. into the dive shop, but not for an individual person. And it's too far away from the cave, basically. Right. Yeah. So it's just. And no one was there because it was night. Yeah. It's so stupid. But then the whole reason I'm sure he did it at night was because then there wouldn't be anybody else coming in being like, what are you doing in here? Yeah. By March 2012, the reward had been raised to $30,000, making the risk seem worth the reward Mm. for some. Larry Higginbotham, a driver from Mississippi, nope, a diver from Mississippi, drowned in the cavern at Vortex Spring that March and was found the day after when he failed to resurface. One of the divers who recovered the body said, quote, he just got himself in a pinch and couldn't find his way back out, end quote. 
Although there was no explicit evidence that he was trying to find Ben, the divers who recovered his body believed that he was. He apparently was found near a restriction so small that he could not get through it, and Ed Sorensen, who had helped to recover his body, had to pull Larry through another four tight restrictions to get back to the surface. Did you see a spider? No, I just didn't like what you were saying. Oh, okay. It looked like you were looking in the corner at, like, a bug, and I no. was like, please do not tell me that it's, like, one of those millipede things, because I will cry. No, that was just me being like, I don't want to hear what you're saying. That's totally fair. Yeah, so after Larry's death and increasing criticism of the risk that McDaniels were asking people to take, they rescinded the reward offer, finally. By this time, the McDaniels were starting to question if Ben was in there at all as well, but that if he wasn't in the cave, then he had been murdered. They set up a phone tip line, but no one ever called, so they canceled that too. Hmm. There is a Facebook page set up in Ben's honor, but in 2013, Florida issued a, de- a death certificate to the McDaniel family. And that's the end of the majority of the story, which is just really sad. Yeah. So there are a few media things that talk about this case, including Investigation Discovery's series Disappeared and a documentary called Ben's Vortex. Ben's Vortex was made by diver Jill Heinerth, who actually holds the world record for the deepest dive by a woman. She went to Vortex Spring to make a short about the case with her husband, who's also a diver, but instead it turned into a huge project. She and her husband dove into the cave, and by reading the map Ben had made, they realized that he had actually made it very far in. Seeing this and diving into the cave, Jill believes that Ben is still in there. But... Yeah, so... The theories, one of which is being stuck in the cave, as Jill believes. This theory seems to be the most plausible because of, you know, what the circumstances were, not necessarily what evidence has been found, as this was the last place he was seen. Ben was very confident about his abilities, vocally so, even without the proper proper certifications. There were those at the dive shop who thought he was pretty arrogant about his knowledge, but his family was quick to defend him, as of course they would be, saying that he was confident, but that his attempts to recruit a diving partner had gone untaken, so that basically he was trying to convince people, hey, I'm competent enough for you to teach me how to do this so that I can get the hours I need in order to become certified. Mm Mm-hmm. On the day he disappeared, Ben had obviously had the goal of going into the cave based on what witnesses claimed, but with Eduardo and Chuck not not staying like they usually would on a Wednesday night, there is no evidence that he surfaced at all. Mm -hmm. But also, the fact that there is no decomp tested in the water, even with the cadaver dogs alerting on the surface, and that all the divers, who were all experts, because you have to be certified to go into this cave, I cannot stress that enough, they could find no evidence of Ben in the cave. And it leads a lot of people to speculate that Ben didn't get stuck. He's simply not in there. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder why Jill is so convinced that he's in there. Yeah. I don't really understand how she can be so convinced. Her her husband doesn't believe that. Mm-hmm. And she is fully like, yep, he's in there. 
But she hasn't, like, it's not like she saw something to make Mm -mm. her believe that. No. She just, like, has a feeling. Yeah. She's, like, he's mapped so much farther than we thought he had. You know, it, it looks as though he could have gone even further if he's already mapped this much. I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't I mean, know where her brain's at. We are not marine biologists. Shocking, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. But didn't everyone want to be a marine biologist I at some re- point? Like I, the manatees, bro. The only that's my that's my mom's favorite animal. Yeah. The sea cow. Moo. I really wanted to be a marine biologist, but only because at one point in my life I believed mermaids were real. So nice. But like so I don't know the science of it, but I'm like I'm wondering if he got far enough in from the entrance of the cave and died. But he, you know, like could he be far enough in that like the decomp wouldn't affect the water like that no we're testing that would be drawing right it out. or like maybe there are yeah there you are know estuaries what I mean? that are bringing it out elsewhere down the or something down the river or wherever. I wa- that's the only thing that makes me be like okay maybe because when you were like yeah they tested the water I was like well psh, and we know there's no one else or we don't know of anyone else that yeah. has died in there and been left missing there. yeah so and the the man who did die Larry looking potentially for him was found fairly quickly right and he had gotten very stuck. Like, yeah. that's just, yeah. So that's the only thing that makes me be willing to consider that an option. Yeah. Because caves can be enormous. Oh, yeah. So if he, yeah, I'm like, maybe, maybe he's he super far back there somewhere. I mean, I'm, that's, in my mind, completely plausible, mostly because if he, if you know, <laughs> you know how kids will get their heads stuck in, like, railings? Mm-hmm. like stair rails or whatever and then they can't get them back out like you would assume you could get back out the same way you got in no but you can't yeah i don't know there's like your head is able to slip through one way because there's like very little resistance but on the way back you've got a chin you've got a nose like all of that that maybe he got stuck that way of being like i was able to get in horrifying and i now cannot get out oh god and I especially if you like had hoped for finding like oh this is a new passage great absolutely not i'm gonna text you if i have nightmares tonight. i'm so sorry i'm gonna text you because this is truly i i'm not joking when i say i have had nightmares about this to the point where my nephew <laughs> for christmas this past year got a like collapsible tunnel mm-hmm. and it's like you know wire and you can like and stuff and has plastic around it um, and he was like running in and out of it. He's about two, like just over two. And he is like, you know, crawling through it and we're playing hide and seek with him and all of this. And at one point, Holden had like put it over his head and like shimmied through it. Mm-hmm. It's standing up and then like pushed it down to his feet and stuff. And, you know, AJ was loving that. And so I was like, oh, well, if Holden can get in here, I can get in here, obviously. And I I made my way in through one side and, like, on the floor. Like, I'm crawling through it. I went in through one side and then my brain just goes, you're stuck forever. You're never getting out. You are done for. This is how you die. And I was like, no. And so I'm, like, crawling out of it, like, making all of these noises, like, grunting, trying to get out. And eventually 
eventually I like I'm out and I'm like like I'm trying not to have all a the adults attack. in the room look at you they're like oh literally there was good? no one there except me and AJ oh that's good but so I made it through and I'm like recovering from this minor panic attack I've just had and my nephew who had been like sailing through this thing earlier gets in it and starts to go like through the entire thing and I just as he came out the other side I was like not cool little man you got roasted by a two-year-old I really I really did as it should be but wow. I was I was terrified. I genuinely thought I was gonna die in there. But it was like reliving a nightmare that like multiple nightmares that I've had of like you get stuck in a small space. Like I'm I'm not usually claustrophobic. It's more of like not necessarily the small space where I am in, like an elevator. But like if I were to go through the like elevator shaft thing, like the opening at the top, and then I got stuck in that, death, kill no. me. Don't care like You're just done. kill me. I'm done. No. I mean, related, when I was a little kid, you know, you'd be, like, having a sleepover or something, and you would play hide-and-seek. Oh, yeah. You would have your sleeping bag. And I never had one. I feel like kids' sleeping bags are more, like, squares, right, that have, like, characters on them or whatever. I always had, like, a long little tube A a camping one, probably, yeah. yeah. And one time, I, like, was like, oh, I'm going to hide. By, like, going head first into my sleeping bag. Dude. Terrifying. Oh, my god! Absolutely horrifying. I would, I would And then I was just like, nope, I lose. I'm done. I'm done. Even though there were, like, because they have the. zippers on the inside. Well, they have the two zippers. So I could have, like, like a little hole for my face. No. I just, horrifying. No. Never. Mm -mm. See, same, same feeling. Same vibe. I'm not, I'm not about it. Not well, about it. Welcome to our podcast, friends. Uh, can you tell we don't like going outside that much? <laughs> we are indoor cats to the max. Meow. Meow, 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 meow. Another possibility was that Ben staged his own disappearance. Okay. He was known for wanting to go into the cave, and he had built up a trust of the dive shop employees to dive after sundown after diving there for the majority of the summer. But his life up until that point that he moved to Santa Rosa had not been the best. His brother's passing and the discovery that his death was not what they thought it was made a a twofold trauma and his divorce and business failure could have made him feel unable to accomplish anything and beaten his self-esteem to a pulp. With the debt that he had to Tennessee, Ben could have thought that an easy way out of his life would be to start over. Staging his disappearance wouldn't be hard as those who knew him well were in a different state and he could predict the schedule of the dive shop employees. But his mother said, quote, After what we went through with Paul, we know our son well enough that he wouldn't put us through that again. End quote. Which I believe, especially since he found his brother. Mm-hmm. But you never know what depression can do to a person. Mm-hmm. Also, he... Well, never mind. I was going to say, how would he know that the dive shop people were going to leave and get coffee? But like you pointed out, did he know that they were ever there on a Wednesday or did they just see the bubbles and peace out? So as far as he knew, as soon as he came up, no one was around. Yeah. So. Which is why I brought it up. He had a dog. He had a girlfriend. And his apparent desire for a new business where he'd be able to pursue his passion were all on the table. 
It feels convoluted to make people believe you drowned and then leave nothing to find. Yes? Follow-up point to that, counterpoint. Okay. They did find those tanks that yeah. had the wrong kind of oxygen. So if you knew that you were going to leave those behind, why would you pay for the fancy <gasps> special blend Ooh, when smart. you could have just gotten the, the regular O2 or whatever it was if you knew you were abandoning those tanks? That is a very good point, and I like that, and it follows into the next couple of points. So Ooh. Very well done on your part. That is not something Thanks. I thought about. But he also didn't take any of his cash, and he didn't leave anyone to take care of his dog. It, in my mind, doesn't seem to fit, but there could possibly be something yeah. there. The next is that it could be that Ben did pass while inside the cave and someone found him. With the dive shop already dealing with the 13 deaths previously, as well as Kelly's criminal record and whoever else had one, it could be feasible that a dead Ben could have surfaced or been found in the cave and then taken elsewhere to be buried or disposed of in some capacity. Mm. Whoever had done it wouldn't necessarily know about his car, his dog, or his family. And this this one seems the most plausible to me mm-hmm. because there's no real decomp in the water, but the dogs did alert on the water. Mm-hmm. So it could be feasible that somebody found him early the next day mm-hmm. and had grabbed him so his body had started to decompose. Mm-hmm. And then because they didn't find any real evidence of him going that far into the cave, it could be that he got stuck somewhere pretty close. And that's why, like, because the gate was still open, the thought is that one of the employees had to go down to close it mm-hmm. so that no one could go in and you know, potentially mess stuff up, as in die, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why I said mess stuff up. There's nothing to mess up down there except to die. Um, and so there's that. And because of the bad reputation that it could give Vortex Springs to have a diver who was, one, allowed to dive at night, or at least after sundown, mm-hmm. who was allowed into the cave by one of the employees who knew full well that he was not certified Mm -hmm. and a an owner who is already very well known sus for being very suspicious it just it makes sense to me that someone was like i gotta take care of this Mm. and just was like i gotta i gotta put him somewhere yeah like we can't afford another death or whatever yeah yeah seriously like they really could not so well, and did they know, did they know his background or was he just like, oh yeah, Ben, he's some guy who moved to the area in April and he's a diver. Cause you know what I mean? Like if yeah. he hadn't talked about like, oh, my wealthy family that loves me a lot back in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't know. I really, I don't know how much of his life that he disclosed to anyone there. I don't know if he was maybe like enjoying the idea of being a local and people knowing him, but not necessarily knowing him, um, which, which I can completely sense. get. Yeah. Like, especially if you're like, this is a sabbatical from my life. This is a vacation from my life. I am doing something that I enjoy to try and recalibrate, basically, yeah. and find myself again. And so I'm not, like, there's no reason that he would need to be like, oh, man, I need to tell you all about my divorce. 
or right. like my failed business, there would be no reason for him to do that because that's the stuff that he's trying to move past. Right. So in my mind, he wouldn't necessarily tell anyone that, which then would mean that, that they would feel comfortable because they, as far as they know, there's yeah. nobody that's going to come look for you look for him. Yeah. And it could be feasible because the dog wouldn't be, Sadie, wouldn't be allowed at the spring that they wouldn't even know that he had an animal that yeah. would need to be taken care of. Because for me, that's the most villainous thing you could do. Like, go ahead. I Don't kill people. But, like. Don't dispose of bodies. Don't dispose of bodies. Call but the like, authorities. If you were, if you knowingly let an animal starve, you are the most evil person on the planet. Just bar none. At least in my mind. All right. The last possibility is murder. Murder. The possibility of foul play is close to the cover-up theory, as it involves someone else acting on Ben. It could be that somebody decided to kill him while he was down there, or when he resurfaced. Someone either for any reason... Like, I, there's no real motive when it comes to this theory because no one can really place, like, if it, they could pinpoint a person, like, if, if it was uh, uh, Lowell Kelly, then, you know, maybe he was like, hey, so-and-so let me in, and Kelly's like, I can't afford that. I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me either. But, like, you know, mm -hmm. there might have been something or, like, the person that Kelly claims he saw on the day who was, like, drunk and wanting to dive late. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was like, how come you got to dive? And, like, you know, punched him out or something and he hit the ground and busted his head open. And then the guy's like, oh, crap, like, I got to deal with this. Something in that capacity. But nothing seems to point to murder specifically, mm -hmm. which is why I lean a lot more towards the covered up. Uh, theory mm -hmm. you know what's scary though mm. back to our previous point about you can't communicate yeah is that if he was in the cave and some other diver was in there he would probably assume that it's like one of the employees or another you know like i feel like adventurous people tend to have like pretty good vibes like if you're on a hike and you're you pass somebody going the other way it's like oh hey man like yeah. how's how's the hike how's your day or like rock climbers or whatever yeah so i feel like you wouldn't be like on your guard no so he would like just assume... trust that person and then they could like be bad news <laughs> or whatever oh that's scary though oh that's like honestly one of the scariest things to think about is like you think you're by yourself in a cave in the dark underwater <laughs> just that all alone not great but then someone like appears and you're like oh hey dude and then they try to kill you yeah they just spam the opera you like yeah I... stressful no thank you like yet another reason i'm not going diving <laughs> Yeah, and uh. I also, because apparently I would like to torture myself, I found a video of someone going through the cave. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying, and my claustrophobic butt was not about it. It was oh, God. not, it was not good. It was not good. I'm not even <laughs> linking it in the show notes, you guys. It's, it's on the Wikipedia sources. <sighs> if you want to go and look at it, like, you can go and find it. And, and there are plenty of other videos of Vortex Springs Cave. 
like you can you can go and search it on YouTube and it, there are plenty. Also, it was like there's a rock ballad in the background that they've put over the entire video because I'm sure like the actual sound just like <sighs> like Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was I, I I truly couldn't like look at it. I just kept scrolling through like the comments to see if I could find anything. And a lot of it was about uh, Ben. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, I can't. And I would like scroll back up and I was like, nope. <laughs> I can't. That was me with the Lake Lanier videos. I was like, I don't like this. I can't. Like, and I hadn't really conceptualized while I was doing these notes just how dark it is. Emma, I hate this. It's so bad. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. We're done. Y'all, we're done. I think that somebody (sighs) covered up his death. (sighs) And that's, that's that. That's that. Don't go, like, just, just like. We tell you, don't go hiking by yourself. Literally. Don't, basically, don't go anywhere by yourself. Have an adventure buddy. Always have an adventure buddy. Go adventuring with a person. Tell, uh, and even if you're with one other person, tell other people (laughs) separately somewhere else where and when you expect to be doing things. I just, there's, the world is terrifying, you guys. Like, literally so scary. And, like, it can be beautiful and wonderful and all of that. But you know what? Share it with somebody else. So, yeah. like, even then, when you go through trauma, <laughs> you can share it with someone else <laughs> and work through it together, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful in any capacity. That's but... the happy note. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do share that. Share your trauma with others. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome back. It's time for another mailbag moment. Also, thank you, little brother, my leem, leem, for our mailbag intro music. I really appreciate it. It's great, and I love it, and it makes me very happy. Thanks, bruh. Thanks, bruh. Alrighty, so this one is from our friend Haley. Oh my gosh, how did we know? Also back. (laughs) From April 2021. <laughs> oh my gosh, just saying 2021 is like, my brain does not compute. It's the year that doesn't exist. <laughs> and the subject line is, another SBC ghost story. Parentheses. Honestly, where were the memories of this when I wrote my first email? Aww. I think this happened either sophomore or junior year during opening convocation. I remember looking over and seeing an empty seat slowly and at a smooth pace lower as if someone was slowly sitting down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Then I think the ghost realized I was watching because the seat very quickly sprung back to the closed position like they were leaving the scene. Okay, no. At first I was like, Haley, those seats definitely do that by themselves sometimes because they're like heavy. But the fact that it sprang back, I'm like, no, mm -mm, no, mm -mm, no, no. Later, when I was in Babcock, I sat down to see if maybe it was someone sitting behind the seat, lowering it with their feet. Babcock is the theater. Yes. I tried many times, but came nowhere near as close to having it look like someone was sitting down. End of email? Yeah, that's the end. 
It was a shorty. Oh my gosh. I don't. Theater ghosts at Theater convocation. Ghosts. Maybe it was Daisy. She was like, I'm here for the beginning of the school year. Convocation. What's Sup, up, y'all? Sup. Isn't there. Students. Isn't there a Babcock ghost? There are a couple. We talked about this on I know, the last and mailbag. I forget. I'm sorry. There's like a guy in a top hat or something. Yeah. Um, I never saw any of the ghosts, so. And I know we've talked about this before. I haven't seen any of the ghosts either. I've just like experienced my slippers moving. <laughs> and the door opening and closing. And things in the attic. And things in the attic. The ball bouncing in the attic. Yeah. So, I mean, thanks, Haley, for terrifying me. Jeez. I just love the idea. I didn't think that one was scary, though. I just like the idea of Haley, like, looking down the aisle and, like, seeing a seat, like, slowly. And then the, the ghost being like, oh, you caught me. And, like, oh, no. scooting away. And the <laughs> like, seat's just like, like, flapping back into place. I just, I think because at first I was like, oh, like, Haley, I can understand that you were thinking, oh, yeah, this is definitely a ghost. Because... You know, it's lowering, but, like, I've seen those seats kind of do that on them by themselves because they're old and they're, I mean, things I, don't work. They, but, like, like, sag, but they don't go, like, all the way down. And the fact that it, like, sprang back up <laughs> is not, like, that. Mm-mm. Not so a fan. So, see, see, friends, you can send us your not-so-scary ghost stories, too. Yeah. If you have a nice ghost story, like, you know, your grandma visits you in your dreams kind of thing. Yeah. I'd love to hear about that. Make, make Shannon cry with joy over how beautiful your story is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. So thanks for listening. And remember, this podcast doesn't exist. We're getting better. Just like the wrap up. I just, I decided it was I know, over. Like, Bye. And you know what? We are done. We're out. Mm-hmm.